boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. Oh, oh, holy shit, it's been two months since we recorded the podcast. <laughs> I know. Everybody's favorite holiday is passed by now, so obviously we've all watched, like, what, 31 movies easily each, if not more. Oh, yeah. So I challenged you guys to watch 31 movies in October, which I accomplished, and you all pretty much shit the bed with that. Um, I know uh, yeah. Mike didn't watch 31, so Tyler, I'm not sure about you. How many did you actually catch up to? Um, I think okay. So the month of October, I got around to watching like twenty four. Um, but now, but now, in my defense, week. But in my defense, I did watch the Midnight Club, which was a TV series, and there was eight episodes, like one hour and ten minutes each. So technically, it was cool. If you wanted to like count those episodes as singular movies, it would be like twenty nine, thirty movies. So close enough. I'm pissed. Nope. Um, something I actually wanted to do with you guys is uh, since we didn't get to do an actual episode during October because we were busy watching movies and um, November was a busy month for us anyways we had Thanksgiving I had the flu and almost died Um, you had school stuff we just a lot of stuff kind of parted ways with us being able to do any type of episode but um, at the beginning of this one I kind of wanted to just talk with you guys what were some of your highlights that you guys had throughout the watching of October. Oh, easy. I think that, well, my first good solid film that I could say I watched in October um, was Hellraiser, the remake. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really a remake. I can't say that. I don't know why I said remake, but honestly, at this point, sequel remake, whatever you want to call it, the reboot of the series, they've come out with like a million sequels to the series. So this was a nice breath of fresh air to see that they were actually able to do something that was pretty good, believe it or not. So I really enjoyed that. I, I watched that one as well, but I did have kind of a problem with it. It, uh, even though that it is better than, you know, nine other Hellraiser films, it still wasn't that good to me. Like I found it to be really boring all the way until the last, probably 20 minutes of the film whenever the main Cenobite is making its way to the mansion or hotel or whatever you want to call that thing um, and actually stalking the person to kill him. But everything leading up to that moment, it it just felt unnecessary. It was really, really just out of place to me. See, I really dug it. Mm. Um, I actually really enjoyed it because the thing about it is 
the original okay so the frank cotton story which was the original hellraiser with clyde barker directing that was solid hellraiser 2 solid hellraiser 3 eh, it was all right solid. anything after that has absolutely been trash and i think the big reason is is they focused on the engineer mostly like pinhead's character and not necessarily like characterization but you have the hellbone heart which is that novella clyde barker based the story on and you look at that and you can really see a lot of like really in-depth characterizations in that novel. So if you look at that, it's really not necessarily just a, a horror movie about Pinhead. It's really about the characters with it. So I think it's really interesting to be able to see that they bring back the series as strong as it was with the characterization. Because the big thing is, I think that a lot of people were kind of looking just for the, you know, violence gore of, you know, the engineer brings in. However, we get a lot of like backstory, a lot of like characterization with that. And that's why I think I enjoyed it mostly was because it really focused on that and built these characters before it decided to actually do anything with it. And there was some like really fun moments. I like, remember that moment where she was on that um playground equipment, what was it, the carousel thing? And that was scary. That was actually really I thought that was good, that hmm. part was. I just I felt like they focused too much on her backstory of being a drug addict. It was much more like a story about her individually before anything even Cenobite related takes place. It's like those were just kind of like a side story compared to like what her main story was. And I, I think that's why I didn't like it. I wanted to see more of just a story involving the Cenobites, not just here's this person. Here's her life. It's not that good. She sucks. She's a drug addict. She hates people. Oh, wait, here's 20 minutes left. And now there's Cenobites chasing her. It's just. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. How did you feel about the new Hellraiser look, like the new Cenobite, Jamie Clayton playing the engineer? I thought she looked fine. I didn't have a problem with the way she looked. Uh, I thought she did a really good job with it. Um, very creepy looking um, into the same estate that what Doug Bradley had. Uh, very intimidating character. Um, had no problem with her whatsoever. I think it was just the story itself that I had a problem with. Yeah, that's what I really want to highlight, too, was like Jamie Clayton's performance as, you know, the engineer was absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think the, it's even kind of rare because Doug Bradley even gave his like blessing saying like, hey, you know, everything that, you know, Penn had supposed to be sexy, evil, you know, truly like terrifying. And that was that was how I felt about it. So I overall, I think that they really did a pretty good job. Um now is it the original? No, I don't think anything's gonna. It's gonna become very, very, very tough to be able to top the original. But in terms of what we have gotten, like Revelations and all the other ones, it's miles better. So I am very happy we did get that. Did you? Yeah, did you see we, it, Mike? Mike didn't. See Man, it. He didn't I, watch it there in October. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge. I'm just being honest. I'm not a huge fan of Hellraiser. Um, I've seen those, some of the originals. I did not watch the newer one. Um, I think I started it, but I didn't finish it. Um, so I'd kind of be unfair my view on this just because I'm just not a huge fan of it. But, um, I'll tell you what I did watch that I was a huge fan of Halloween ends. Oh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed it. A lot of people dog it. Um, 
This is where I we're per- going to come in and we're going to have an argument. Somebody's going to get pissed off because this movie divides friendships. It really does. <laughs> no, man, I'm not going to take it. Like, I heard so much, I mean, like, so much shit talk about this, which I respect because a lot of people want a overpowering Michael Myers. But I truly enjoyed seeing a weaker version. The only problem I had with this movie was when the Corey character went into the tunnel, basically beat the shit out of Michael Myers, ripped his mask away, and and just kind of like ran with it. That's the only major, I guess, the only major problem that I had with it. But in regards to it, I really liked the character of Corey, which a lot of people did not. Um, I think it was more of a kind of a drama horror because it was kind of focused with the Corey and um, Allison, you know. So like, uh, I, I liked how it how it built up in the beginning. I liked the opening scene very well with the the kid that I mean, yeah, it's sad when a kid dies, but that little prick deserved it because he was annoying. So, um, other than that, like I I like I personally like the story. I thought it was a different I- twist. I thought the, what was it, four years later after, or four years after Kills, correct, if I'm if I'm not mistaken? Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's about three years. Just a complete different movie than Halloween Kills, because Halloween Kills, you know, Myers is brutal. He's, it's just focused on gore, I mean, kills, how many, how many, what, how many people can he add to his body count, basically? Um, so, I liked the twist. I liked a weaker version because what is he? 65, 64, 65, 66, something in that time frame. Um, he just got the shit beat out of him by the whole town, you know? Um, <laughs> so he's a weaker version. I just um, keep seeing this like weird version coming out like in 10 years to be like old man, just call it old man Myers. And old he's man like Myers, angry yeah. because people's like still like you know fertilizing his lawn, and he's like in competition with everybody around him, and he just starts killing off people who he don't like. I don't know, but just call it old man and, Myers. Old man Myers, but um, it. I just I enjoyed the I enjoyed the twist. I, I enjoyed the the uh, a lot of people said it was kind of a slower pace. It took a while for it to kick off. Me personally, I didn't mind the slow the the slower paced Halloween, um, and to be honest, like most of your Michael Myers, like like the Halloween movies, Michael Myers is really not in a lot of the movie. It, it, he's broken up over different segments, and they were like he's he's he was only in the film talking about Halloween ends. I think somebody said like thirteen fourteen minutes, but I was kind of doing some research now. I do not know how accurate this is, but even in like the original Halloween one and two. He was only in it for like 16 minutes in, I think, Halloween 1 and 14 minutes, maybe 13 minutes in Halloween 2. I mean, so for they, for people to kind of be disappointed in that, I don't know if they were expecting to go like full-blown Michael Myers through the whole movie. But um, I, 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 liked how they, I liked how they did it. I just liked the twist on it. I, I agree. I, uh, I think a lot of people didn't like it because of Michael not being in there a lot. But, I mean, you look back at Halloween 3, it, it, it's a movie that has nothing to do with Michael Myers whatsoever, and people praise the hell out of it nowadays. Um, I think the story works. I think it does really well. I mean, 
everybody's thinking, you know, this is going to be the final conclusion between Jamie Lee Curtis or Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And to be honest, it kind of works because she had two other movies, Halloween and Halloween uh, Kills, to have her moments with Michael Myers and have her battle. So the fact that they have another character coming in and being able to take over that spot, uh, I think it worked worked fine. And to be honest, if it wouldn't have had Michael Myers in it at all, if it would have just been him, um, like per, like putting on the persona of Michael Myers and going after um, Allison, or even going after Laurie and Laurie Laurie Strode, thinking that it's Michael Myers. Like I I think that would have worked a lot better than having Michael stuck down in the tunnel down with Pennywise um, in the sewers. But I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really entertaining film. The the slow pace of it works with uh, the type of story they were going with being like the drama um, love triangle type deal. The, the bully, the bullies, you know, beating him up and, and throwing him over to die and stuff like that over that, that bridge. Um, I, I think it all just comes together as a fun little like Halloween spinoff. All right. Look. Yeah. Yeah. I partially agree with what you said, Chris. I partially disagree. Um, my biggest issue. Okay. So looking at Halloween three, Halloween three was always meant to be something that was different. We all know the story of kind of like them wanting to make, you know, a different type of Halloween movie every single year. People love the Michael Myers character, bring him back in number four. And then the rest is kind of history. So whenever I look at like Halloween ends, um, I can watch it two different ways. One part of me is saying it's freaking genius. I absolutely love it. One part of me is absurdly disappointed. And I think that the disappointment kind of comes that obviously this is meant to be the Laurie Strode Michael trilogy. It's the big return 40 years later. We've seen in 2018, you know, we saw kind of the reintroduction to the character. And then we have Halloween kills, which kind of like tease this big kind of like ending moment coming and then we get this one and it's like well let's wait until the last film like the last moments in the last film between laurie and michael to start this completely different story so i feel like either a they needed to kill off the you know michael laurie story in the last one to make way for this one and just went a completely another direction which is what i loved about it how it did go in a different direction or they needed to wait until the next film. And this should have been the the big ending for her character. If, if you wanted a movie that has a battle between Laurie Strode and Michael, Myler, Michael Myers, where they actually play out to where they face each other off and one of them dies, you already have it. It's called Halloween H2O. <laughs> but, it, but the thing is, is this is a completely... So this is... Different so, timeline. So yeah, this is a completely different timeline, but... In addition to this being a completely different timeline, we also have the issue that, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing it. We also have the issue that this is the actual last film that Jamie Lee Curtis is doing. Like, you know, that TikTok that was circulating where she was crying and everybody was like, you know, giving her a hand. And she was like, I love you guys. I've been doing this for, you know, all my life. So this is the actual last film. Like, this is it. Yes, so and if, I if think you look that... at the timeline, you're right. It's been 40 years. Michael Myers is old. He really is. Like, he I is know. just a normal person. 
So the fact that he is worn down after the beating that he took in Halloween Kills, and he is trying to recover, his body is trying to get better, and he's stuck down in the sewers just waiting to get better. And we find out that actually killing somebody builds his strength because Corey leads someone down there to get killed by My- Michael Myers, and you see like the he gonna... has trouble doing it. And then the I second was say he this. does it, he he gets that strength back. You see him actually like pause for yeah. a second, and you feel the strength come back to him. Now I will say it's really that, yes. stupid whenever he takes Michael's mask from him. Like that's kind of dumb, but I agree. I think it was Corey filling the like filling that connection, wanting to be that character. But I do like okay. So I will say that's my my that's my that's my exact grievance with it is to know that this was the grand finale, new timeline. The actual final Jamie Lee Curtis story, we didn't get that. And if they wanted to end the story, they should have done you it. You had in two Halloween. films leading up, two films exactly, up and Michael then Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis. But why do you the, have to have another one? Exactly because the this same is thing. The, Everybody this, wants something different. This is the closure of the trilogy. The film is literally called Halloween Ends. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's it this is the end of the trilogy exactly. But the thing is, is why do we get an introduction to a brand new serial killer type movie character, which was great. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. It was great. I was having a good time. The thing about it is... Go ahead. Sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, you're you're good. But I'm just trying to say that it's just not a good way. If they, they could have done anything. Like they could have came back in 2018 with a brand new saying we're making a brand new Halloween trilogy and then introduce the, the character um, name. What's his name? Corey, 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 Corey. Yes. They could have introduced Corey back in 2018 and said, you know, this is, and just made Halloween ends the first one. And they have a brand new trilogy where Michael kind of takes a back seat and Corey takes over for him, Corey Cunningham. Right. So that could have been it, but I'm saying that they didn't choose to do that. They chose to give us the trilogy that they chose to give us, and the way that it was presented was this was going to be Halloween ends. This is the last one. This is a new timeline. This is what we were dealt, and at the end of the day, they didn't really do a very good job delivering, again, a very old 40-year-old slasher film from 1977, fast-forwarding you know, 45 years later at this point, and the way we end it is a 10-minute Oh, let's just like stab him to the to the kitchen counter, and then we'll all just go chanting through the city with Michael Myers' body and throw him in like a you know a wood chopper. Uh, yeah. So I yes, will, I, I will did agree. Right. Yes, I'm, I know where you're going with this. Go ahead, Lux. I will agree that the ending, the way that they ended it with Michael Myers and being killed off and stuff, it's it wasn't a good ending. I actually had problems with the ending as well, which is another reason why I think Michael Myers should not have been in the movie at all. Um, I think it should have been focused completely on Corey Cunningham's character. But you have 40 years worth of stuff that is coming to an end, right? So you they tell you in the film that not only did Michael Myers attack Lori, but it affected the entire town to the point to where it creates somebody else who wants to be a serial killer now just because of the whole entire... Uh, buildup of the legend of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode that turns somebody else into a killer. And we get that part from it as well. To kind of piggyback off of what Lax was saying, um, how on the Halloween ends, I, I agreed with, with both of you on, on the ending. I hated how like Michael Myers was dead 
And it was like a three minute phone call that got out to the whole city and everybody's just like following, you know, uh, the body of Myers to be, I, I, I mean, laid to rest, you know, chopped up, whatever you want to call it. I thought that was very cheesy. Um, I felt they, they should have like a little bit more respect um, just on the whole franchise on that end. Uh, so the ending was, was pretty bad, but exclude that ending, how, how the whole town followed. I thought it would have been really well made overall. If something would have happened, like Michael Myers was dead and Corey Cunningham like found the Myers's body in the mask, you know, and con- like the, the evil power consumed him and he, he wore the mask and was like, quote unquote, the new shape, you know, not, not Michael Myers necessarily the new shape because that's in, what, what he, what his title is. He's the shape. He's the boogeyman. So Corey Cunningham was consumed with the evilness and the shape, the, the image of Myers People still thought it was Michael Myers, like he was still alive, but the whole time it was Corey Cunningham. I thought that would have been a great way of continuing a, the Halloween title, but but with my, with but with Corey carrying it on. I thought that would have been great. Yeah, I I, I didn't like the ending. I, th- I thought it was kind of dumb. Like I said, um, I don't necessarily agree either with the the switching of like or like Michael Myers giving Corey Cunningham his power or whatever the fuck he was doing down there like he like locked eyes in a very awkward moment and I don't know if Michael was like what he was doing but you see like a cloud go into like Corey's eyes and you can't tell what's happening everybody's assuming that he's like getting the power from Michael or something like that it's not clear it was really (laughs) awkward to watch on screen Um, that was just really stupid uh, I'm not going to say it wasn't because it really was. I don't think anybody liked that part. Um, but I, again, I go with the whole thing of this is why Michael should not have been in the movie. I think that the buildup should have been Halloween and Halloween kills with the buildup of Michael versus Lori. And then this one could have been where Michael is not there, but Corey Cunningham takes over as like the copycat killer. And nobody knows the difference between him and Michael Myers. And then yeah. at the end of it, He's, he's killed by Lori Strode. Um, even nobody in town, not even Lori, knows the difference that it's Michael Myers and, or that it's Corey Cunningham and not Michael Myers. And only the audience is left to know that. I think that would have been a perfect conclusion. Because you would have had it where Lori's made peace with it and she's moved on, but Michael is still out there. Listen, if they would have just cut down like 30 of the evil dies tonight lines and Halloween kills... Then maybe we would be able to end that story the last time, and then moved on to the Corey Cunningham story this time. I'm just saying <laughs> that would have been. A, I, I agree. I think it would have been a perfect ending with Myers in Kills. Honestly, then, there was more of a build up to the ending in the yeah, last. Yeah, time. even I, though it was I annoying, it still like had like at least it built it up. You know what I mean? I like, agree 100 with that. Yes. Regardless whether you like the timeline of Michael and Lori and then or Corey and Allison or anything uh, or didn't like it, I, overall, I think it was a really fun film. I mean, you had Corey yeah. acting like Michael Myers. He literally like goes to the house and and kills this family where Michael is there with him to like guide him or whatever. And he like does the whole Michael Myers setup thing, like, you know, rises up from laying down on the ground. 
and he does it in his own way to resemble Michael Myers. He puts on Michael Myers' mask, goes to that um, automobile junkyard shop or whatever that place was, and there's a really cool <laughs> like ten minute sequence where he kills like five or six people. Um, then you have like the hilarious, absolutely hilarious, over the top kill with the radio DJ and the Tom. Yes, love it. Yes, was freaking hilarious. <laughs> um, it was just really fun of a film. I mean, yeah, there's some really stupid parts in it that don't make sense, but I mean, he. <laughs> It doesn't have to make 100% sense all the time. It's a cheesy slasher movie whenever you look at it. Um, I, I I can't give it enough praise. I, I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Well, on the positive end, I know that I, I may have been giving it a lot of shit for the Michael Myers-Laurie Strode story. But I will say, and me and Chris saw this together, so he knows how I felt about it so strongly at the end. When we were at the theater, he was like, so what would you think? And I was so angry. But the funny thing is, is I came home and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And there was something there. And I think I figured out what the problem was. And this is the, this is just the honest opinion. I think the problem, it wasn't just, it wasn't Michael Myers to me. It was Laurie Strode. If they just took Laurie Strode out of the equation and you see this kind of like serial killer connection between the Corey character and the Myers character and the way it was portrayed, 10 out of 10, absolutely fantastic. And Lori Strode, every time that she was on screen, I cared less and less about what happened to her. You know, I I, don't, I really didn't care about the connection between Lori and Michael, the 40-year history they've had or whatever. Who cares? I didn't really care at that point. But there was something very interesting about, like, the sewer Michael that we got. And actually, what was really interesting was there was a scene, you know that scene where the homeless guy is, like, singing a weird, like, almost, like, celestial kind of song i learned that he was actually singing about some kind of a mythical creature it was called like the it was almost like the leviathan but not and essentially it's about it's about this like irish folklore about somebody like this like evil creature that lives in like the sewer system and it's like very yeah it's it's perfect if you think about it so we have this homeless guy singing about this like crazy sewer monster and then we get a closer look with Corey going into the sewer and there's Michael. And that's just absolutely, to me, it was mind blowing. And they really, you know, carefully crafted that so well. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. So looking at this, not as a Halloween movie and forgetting about it being a trilogy and the big end of the trilogy, it was a solid, just Michael Meyer story. Like, if they just took, if they would have just waited, like I said, or just took Laurie out of the equation completely and made this just a Michael Myers movie with a completely new cast outside of that, it works. And I would probably easily give it, like, an 8 out of 10. Um, as, a, as a Halloween story, it goes all the way down to, like, a 4 out of 10. So I, personally, looking at it from both perspectives, if I average that out, I'd probably give, like, what, like, a 6 or 7? I was going to say, me, that's a solid rating. Yeah. Myself, I I gave it an eight. I I really enjoyed it. Um, There were some small flaws in it, um, like the ending and and, and just some some little bits and pieces throughout the movie. But I don't think anything on my my level, it really, like, it it was not a good, good movie. Um, other than just like I said, the ending kind of sucked. Um, well, Mike, if you get top. rid of the Laurie Strode character, 
how do you, oh, you yeah. would you would you feel better about oh, it or would you feel about the same? Dude, no, I I wish Corey didn't die and it was a continuation of more movies with him. I thought yeah. I think that would have been amazing. I think like Corey, they could at least made a new timeline with him, like a, a new or not even a new timeline, just a a new series of of Halloween or don't even call it Halloween, call it the shape. You know, just twist it up, call it the shape. You know, something like that, and that's and it's Corey portraying his. I mean, portraying Michael Myers. Is the CW listening to this? Please do. I think they should do it. But you know, at, like, wouldn't this be awesome though? Well, I mean, Corey's dead now, but you know, let's say he didn't die. You know, and oh, we know, Mike. Let me tell you. You know, we all know. Oh, yeah. They could bring him back. <laughs> I mean, honestly, dude. Listen, listen. Exactly, man. I'm just saying. If they wanted to make some money, me personally, I would be all for it and watch them. I, I'm voting for make make at least one more movie, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I would definitely watch it if he was still alive and he and and like I said, call it the shape. Um, you know, title it something the shape Halloween something. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. The shape of Halloween. <laughs> it's it's actually a sequel go. to Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water, and Guillermo del Toro will direct it. And Michael Myers will be CGI'd. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, the bad thing about it is, is Blumhouse. Um, if anybody, anybody listening who does not know this, Blumhouse has officially lost the rights to Halloween. It has went back to the creators. So we'll have to see as that gets licensed out again, who's going to pick it up. Um, I definitely, I don't think it's the end. Over, o- over or under. Three years, or let's say four years, they'll they'll either reboot it or or continue. Under over be, or under. It, within the next five years, it'll be a TV series called Haddonfield. Guarantee it. I love that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I I would. I would have to see it. I'm not I'm not huge on TV series, but then again, I would at least give it an opportunity. Nice. Well, I have a TV series I want to mention past Halloween. I don't know if you guys have checked out. It's called Wednesday. It's a little movie. No, it's a little TV series that probably no one's ever heard of before. Yeah. Oh, dude. Fantastic. S- super indie. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I really am. Have you seen it yet, Chris? Or do you have any interest? I've seen, I've seen the first uh, couple of episodes. Um, I think Jenna Ortega does an amazing job as Wednesday. I think it's one of the best portrayals of that character that I've seen since like probably the nineties version with, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I think her iteration of that character is probably the best one. She, they did a, a good job at casting an adult to play the character. Uh, I think that if they would have chose like an actual kid or teenager around her age, I don't think it would have worked as well. I think the fact that they casted her uh, was the right choice. Oh, yeah. It's like a perfect portrayal of like teenage angst that you would expect Wednesday to have. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. I really do. It's something that you would expect from Tim Burton. And I kind of like that because, you know, Tim Burton has that kind of like weird kind of aspect of his filmmaking that's almost convoluted. But the thing is, is I think that Wednesday really did a great job pulling off 
just the perfect amount of angst with like the perfect amount of like you know kind of like the high school drama kind of like it's like a modern day adams family it feels like you know what i mean it's like today and i, I like that about it i like how it was taking place in today's times it, it felt a little like they were trying to do something in the world of like adams family meets harry potter i could get that yeah because the school and kind of how it's yeah, separated the, yeah the school like the the kids have these certain powers and so, I know, it just it felt very harry potterish to me but uh i it wasn't bad i i enjoyed it um I, like i said i haven't finished it yet but um so far i really enjoy it there's i use some good practical effects in it the story's kind of dark uh and like i said i really like jenna ortega's character of wednesday so yeah, i'm looking forward to watching more didn't Jeanette Ortega like learn how to fence, learn how to like, I don't know, dance, everything for this? It's so she's really like captured the character very well. So yeah, yeah, very good. I, I know, I know there's gonna be a second season coming out too. So it's always a plus. Thank God. Yeah, it's called th- Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Don't forget the big comeback Friday. The, oh yeah, the thirteenth. Yeah, that's a killer, killer day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, what else have you guys watched? Um, I checked out a movie called Deadstream on the Shutter. Have you guys seen? I know Mike. Uh, Mike hasn't seen it. Like I said, he doesn't watch shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like next time I see you at work, I'm gonna break both your kneecaps. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, I yeah, I, I did I did. You're see. you're about as scary as Thomas Lacey. No, until we go crazy. <laughs> crazy like lazy or crazy like lazy hey speaking of lazy uh, a piece of shit i'm just playing thomas lacy uh but yeah deadstream uh is exclusive to shutter right now um uh, it's about a guy who runs his own like youtube uh online web series and um, is not a very good person, really. He does a lot of outlandish things just to get people to, to view his channel. And uh, he said one thing that he's going to do to make a comeback because he got kind of like hit culture canceled or whatever you want to call it. And he's he's wanting to rebuild his, his, his show. And he wanted to do like a checklist of everything he's always wanted to do. He's going to finally complete it so that way he can get viewers. And one thing he wanted to do was spend the night in a, an alleged haunted house so he's going to film the entire thing as he's doing so and like live stream it. And it it's really, really weird because the movie is basically paranormal activity meets the evil dead. And you've got this guy who is over the top, just silly acting, like scared to death of everything. Uh, but it fits. It works really well. He's very, very believable in the role. Every single time that he gets scared by something, it's funny. Uh, but there's also that whole aspect where it's, you know, found footage. So it's got that atmosphere to it where you're looking at everything in the background, trying to find something like, is that a ghost there? Is that, did I hear something? What's going to happen next? Am I going to see something? So it's kind of creepy in that aspect. But then when, when something does happen, it is 100% over the top and just extremely well done. Uh, just like, like evil dead two ish over the top and it's so it's so funny it's so entertaining it was one of like the most shocking films of of october for me because i had no idea what i was getting into and i ended up leaving the movie just loving it and wanting to watch more of it i didn't want the movie to end i mean 
I, I did watch it too. Um, I just double checked online. I want to make sure I wasn't getting it right, but it's interesting because it was actually a one man show, like physically a one man show. Like in the movie, we obviously just see mostly him with a bunch of paranormal entities and things happening. But in honesty, he did the music, he did the editing, the writing, the directing, the starring. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And that's a, that's something that's like really aspiring as you know, an aspiring filmmaker would want to do be able to make a one man show. If, if anything at all, something that's really interesting because it is kind of like evil dead two ish. And it does have that kind of like nice trait about it. Um, so overall, yeah, I did enjoy it. I did find the, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but the main character was written very annoyingly to the point where I almost turned it off like seven times just because he was yeah. so annoying. I think that's the point. I think you're supposed to to you know realize how bad of a person he really is. And um, he's supposed to be over the top annoying because you want something bad to happen to him. And you keep getting it. Like something bad happens. <laughs> and you're like, all right, something bad happens. The movie's going to know something worse happened. Oh, my God, something worse happened. Even worse. And it's like, it's so funny. Yeah. It, I'm still trying to figure out, though, if... Was his jokes unintentionally like not funny? Like, because the thing is, is like he kept trying to tell so. the jokes, and I was like, "Am I supposed to think it's funny?" Because it's really like annoying. But I was like, maybe yeah. that's his character, and I couldn't yeah, decide if that's his character or not. I one hundred believe, one hundred percent believe that that's it's his jokes in in story is not supposed to be funny. Because <laughs> I mean, I I did Ooh. enjoy the film, and I was like, okay. If it's intentional, I'm on board with it. If it's unintentional and it's just actually bad and not funny at all and it's supposed to be, I don't get it. Um, but I think as his character, if you look at it and you would do it, you you, know, you agree with us and say, you know, the character was written that way. It is a very fun, enjoyable film. And it's perfect for like October as well because it does have that nice like Evil Dead 2 quality. So overall, I, I would recommend for sure. It's also nice to see kind of like very practical, toned down, goofy kind of horror movies. So that's exactly what you're getting with this. Yeah. Ooh. And the execution of like the shots and everything. I, I know you said it was a one man show, but I mean, I mean, he did a really good job. There's some really intense moments, even though it's over the top and silly. Like you don't know what's coming. You don't know what to expect from it. There's a whole sequence where this zombie cop or whatever you want to call it, demon cop attacks him in a car and he's locked himself in. It's coming through one side. He's trying to get out the other side. It's a really intense moment, and it, but it was also fun and silly at the same time. So it's like two aspects on completely different uh, ends of the, of the scale. And you just, you enjoy both sides of it. You enjoy the over the top funniness of it, but you also enjoy the intense creepiness that it offers as well. Mm -hmm. and as like a web movie like in like the movies that's based off of either like a computer screen or like a found footage or you know shaky cam however you want to call it i call it like you know web films it seems that those type of films are really really hard to kind of get past how cheesy and the same they are but this film being embraceive of that that's why it works because honestly, it could have went wrong so many times and several times, even as I was watching, I was like, this is going very wrong. But at the end of the day, whenever like that, the last like 30 minutes hits in, like kicks in, you just know like how fun and how like goofy, how kind of, it's kind of tense. Like you said too, 
So it was very well executed for what it was. And it's one of those things you have to continue like sticking with and watching because at the very beginning, you don't think it's going to go that direction. You think it's going to be just absolutely horrible, poorly shot. It's like, oh, great. Here's another found footage web style film. Let's just get this over with. And then like 30 minutes in, you're like, wait, they're doing something that's a little bit different with the genre. And I respect it. I respect the hell out of it. So um, yeah. I, I think I gave like a 7 out of 10, didn't I? I'm pretty sure. I see. gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, Deadstream and Halloween. Oh, I, gave it, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I, I gave it an 8 out of 10. That and Halloween Kills, uh, or Halloween Ends, excuse me, uh, got the same rating for me. Both those got an 8 uh, for completely different reasons. But, Mike, I tried to get you to watch this movie multiple times, and you keep telling in, me you're going to watch it. In, yes, I've, yes, you have. And uh, I'm sorry, I have not watched that, but it is still on my list. You better be. It really is. It, it, is, it is still <laughs> on my list, promise. I'll watch it before the end of the year. Well, <laughs> y'all want to talk about Smile? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you seen it? Has everybody seen it? Chris yeah, is smiling. Yeah, hey. over there. Lax has watched it. Oh, uh oh. He could he could be in it. The curse is come. I have not seen the movie actually. Oh man, now we can't talk about it. I'm kidding. So, well, okay. Spoiler for the thing. Okay, Chris, you're not missing out on anything here because the spoiler of the film is they smile. I mean, like it's nothing (laughs) that's not too much on. And personally, um, I don't know how you feel about it, Mike, but I personally thought it was garbage i guess you would say um i I don't think i've seen a film that was quite as unoriginal um banile um completely just a mess um it takes kind of traits from blumhouse's truth or dare if you if you've seen that movie i could see that yeah which was already a terrible movie a little hint of it follows in the story as well so um if you guys are living under a rock listening and you have not heard of smile basically that's in the title there's a curse their smile it it's it's gonna catch up with them kind of like it follows and that's the story yes you've seen the trailers probably we all know so the thing is how was it like if you're going to have a money gimmick like that and you're going to have a mass marketing campaign, is the movie going to be fun to watch? Is it going to be somewhat original? Is there going to be some kind of a twist? Maybe give us some good acting, some good characters. But I didn't fucking believe one character. I didn't like any of the, the story itself. It was completely unoriginal. It basically copycatted everything it did. There was no redeeming quality about it. And then they try to throw in this, like, garbage ending about mental health and i was like okay yeah right and so i'm like okay so as a nation right now that's like really like proactive about mental health and trying to really like challenge that they could have done so much with the story and they absolutely did not execute it whatsoever the ending was almost difficult to watch because it was so bad um the smile i guess is supposed to be menacing it's like oh my god they're smiling at me, you know, it's, 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 it's terrifying. And it actually was like laugh out loud, stupid, funny. And the moments like you are supposed to be feeling like the worst for these characters. And you're like, wow, they're really at their, their peak. Like they're the worst of the worst moments in their life right now. It, I didn't feel anything. I don't know. Um, I thought it was just 
very boring, just very bland. Um, like the, the the scariest part was the part where the quote unquote mental patient, not patient, or or the girl in the beginning where she she committed suicide right right in front of her, like you know, and right in front of the doctor. I thought that was a little bothering, but other than that, there was nothing else through the movie that really made me like jump made me scared like like kind of scared the smiles were almost just like kind of comical in a way like <laughs> is there something it's like is there something wrong with this person like what what's going on um the story was just really basic you know um it was very it, it, it was it was a very basic story um I've, i felt like the movie is way too long um maybe because i just didn't like it overall the um the cat, you know, where where she where she killed the cat and put it in the gift box to her nephew. I thought that was comical. Um, yeah, it was supposed know. to be like this very uh, tense moment. But whenever yeah, she like just, busts through the glass um, table yeah. at the birthday, like I was screaming and laughing. I was not feeling any trauma, any kind of right? like sadness. I was like, "Is right? this supposed to be a comedy? It was right? it supposed like, to be a comedy." I don't, I don't know, but like honestly, her whole family were a bunch of bitches, man. Like, didn't like any of her family. Like, her sister and brother-in-law were just. <laughs> the brother-in-law was a pansy, and the the cat killing. Not that I'm against killing animals by all means. So you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not supporting that. But I thought it was comical on the on the reaction and how she just stepped back, stepped back, and fell through a fucking glass coffee table. Like, what are you doing? Why, why are you like? It's just nothing made sense in the movie. And then all the end, the the ending was horrible. There was other than the very beginning, the soundtrack, the music was just over the top loud. I thought it, um, it wasn't. It it just fell short. It was um, mm-hmm. a very if I could say anything, it was a very forgettable film. Very forgettable. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's one of those quick cash grabs um yeah i think they would have done better if they would have just called it jump scare the movie that would have been great um i thought that it was very unintentionally funny i thought that it was very cheap um the last 10 minutes here's the thing the last 10 or 15 minutes i was like okay well maybe they're gonna you know pull this off i was finding some interest because i was doing something completely different yeah and next thing you know we get this horrible like CGI James Wan wannabe like ending monster or something. Yes, yeah, stupid. <laughs> yeah, so so it stupid. Was stupid. My favorite review like a... said, "Um, smile. Hey, can I copy your homework? It follows. Nah. Sure, just change it up a little so it's not obvious. That's literally smile. There you go. That's it. I I personally don't recommend this to anyone. Me, I I gave this movie a three, and that 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 to me was a high rating. I gave it a four. I didn't like it. Yep, yeah, there you go. And you know, I did. Like, I, the reason I gave it a four was because I did get some laughs. I did think that there was maybe two or three interesting scenes. Um, overall, I liked the fact that they did try to do a little something different with it, even though it didn't work. But uh, besides that, it was just utterly gar- garbage, one hundred percent. Couldn't agree more yeah. with you. I I uh, have no interest in watching it, but I will say that the marketing behind it was pure genius. Um, having people show up at like major league baseball games, um, doing the smile concept or whatever you want to call it. Um, it definitely got people's attention. Definitely went, made people want to see the movie. 
So the marketing behind it was really good. Um, although the idea of the smile concept, I have no interest. It doesn't do anything for me. So I probably won't watch, especially after your all's comparison to Truth or Dare and It Follows. Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever watch this movie. You, you're not missing anything. No, absolutely not. I do have, I have one more movie. Do you guys have anything else? No. No? Not really. Well, I would be doing injustice to the gore world if I didn't mention Terrifier 2 before I went to the actual show part. Um, were, were you so, one of the people that passed out in the theater? So I will, yeah. If you if you search very <laughs> deeply on the internet, you'll come across a news article that they did of me. I literally passed out in the theater. Um, no. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, that's kind of a marketing technique within itself. And I think it's kind of interesting because... Um, what is it like Damien Leone or Damien Leone or whatever his name is he directed the very first Terrifier and if you got have you guys watched that one yeah uh, yeah the, Terrifier yeah, 1 is yeah. it's good the first one yeah okay yep, enjoyed it so to me I didn't care for Terrifier the original one and the big thing is is that they had a special feature kind of like behind the scenes look at the end of Terrifier 2 and it talks to Damien Leone about kind of the connection of the character art the clown in relation to terrifier in relation to terrifier 2 and essentially he said that terrifier was made mostly just to kind of introduce the character of art the clown and terrifier 2 took that concept and moved it in an actual narrative so while we have like a stream of consciousness that terrifier is um we we get the full you know four course mill when it comes down to Terrifier 2. And I think that's like a nice comparison, um, to be honest with you. Terrifier was mostly just paper-thin plot. The thing is, is that it was beautifully acted by, what is it, David Howard Thornton, um, Art the Clown. So the character yeah, itself the was great. The story, I thought was absolutely horrible. There was no characterization. Just, I could go on and on about what I did not like about that story. Okay. That said, Terrifier 2. This time around, they tried to make a story, as Damien Lune said. And I'll be honest with you, I just don't think it worked. Um, Art the Clown. Okay, keep in mind, before I go any further, this is a two-hour and 20-minute movie. And if you're like kind of scratching your head, like, why is Terrifier 2 a story about a killer clown, two hours and 20 minutes, your guess is as good as mine, because literally I have no idea when I was, when you watch it, there is a very extended scenes of unnecessary, like gore, which I love me some gore. Don't get me wrong. I'm fine with that. But the problem is, is the story as it progresses, these characters that's in there that they introduce is basically like a family and you got to get to know this brother and sister and this mom that's absolutely infuriating to deal with and insufferable and is always unhappy because um, their relationship and then they're always, she's always on the kids and the kids acting is not very good either. Um, so you have this and it kind of goes on for like an hour of the movie before anything really truly happens. But whenever, let me tell you, whenever Art the Clown's character comes in. It is absolutely fantastic. Every single scene, you're laughing, you're cringing. It's just so, so interesting. Like, okay, 
I don't want to spoil it, but I will spoil this one scene. And well, I, I won't spoil. It. I'll just say, okay, how about this? It has to do with mashed potatoes and Art the Clown. Oh my god! And it's absolutely hilarious. Like it's laugh out loud funny, but it's so over the top. Like there's this one scene, obviously in the world that we live in with mass shootings, um, it's a very difficult subject. But there is also this like really crazy scene where Art the Clown takes an actual like a like AR-15 and just starts gunning people down, which is absolutely, I think, super insensitive. But the thing is, is it, it's done in such a way that I I can't like say it's like funny, but, you know, it has this kind of like certain like messed up kind of like gore but charming ability because it's art the clown doing it so that said it is shocking like it is one of those movies where you're surprised they actually got distribution i think that it was like in, at one point over two thousand theaters and 10 years ago it would have been completely unheard of that an nc-17 movie was actually released um i know me and chris used to work at a theater and they refused to show NC-17 movies. So 10 years ago, they had this, you know, the highest you could get was R. And somehow, some way, they were able to actually pull off an NC-17 wide release on this. Which, I mean, I think it's kind of saying a lot about the times, how that's changing. But um, overall, it was one that seriously was like demented in all the right ways. If you like gore, you will like this. Um, it's significantly better and much, much better made as well, like quality wise than the first one. So if you did like the first one, I would say, even though this one's like an hour longer, it's still more than worth your time. And it's going to be one of those films that's hard to forget because I still I've seen it one time. It's been like almost two months ago now, and I still remember very vividly the entire thing. And I think it's because it has that kind of like cheap acting almost like cringe mixed in with like this like fun kind of like vibe. there's something about it that really works because of that and um i think that if if he continues to develop these um into like a larger franchise like we continue getting terrifier movies every year i think they're going to really do some cool interesting things with art the clown's character and oh, yeah. um i think i mean that's that's pretty much it i mean it's just i want you guys to see it because i think you'll like it i think you will find some of it funny but i think you guys will also get kind of like how there is quality issues still and it's certainly like people are praising terrifier too like saying oh it's so crazy it's so gory it's so much better than the first one it's i hate clown movies i hate long movies you know but this was fantastic it's not that good like it's not as good as people are saying it is but it is it is good. So I think I gave it a six out of ten. And I think that's about where it belongs in terms of like the quality issues and everything. Still kind of goes up on the list a little higher for me. So that is Terrifier 2. Oh yeah. Um I I really enjoyed the first one. I yet I have not seen the second one. Um something that was done with low budget, I, I would assume it was a low budget film you know, money wise, cap space wise, but, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the acting of course, wasn't, you know, amazing, but I don't think that was the point for it to be hit on was the acting. It was over top gore art. The clown is absolutely brutal. 
absolutely disgusting. Um, to me, he's one of the best quote unquote killer clowns. Um, in the first one, the scariest part is when he sits down in the restaurant and just kind of like stares at the girls. Oh, it's yeah. such a creepy vibe, such a creepy, like gives you kind of like goosebumps and you're like, what the hell? Um, and then him just like walking down the street and stuff, just like in that clown outfit, like, and, and like the dry <laughs> blood on his gloves and shit, you know, it's just like the whole look visual, the visual look of him is just to me creepier than it, you know, the clown. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed the first one. I really want to see the second one. I mean, yeah, I, I hate that they can't really develop a, a solid story around them. The thing is, is like Arthur Clown, yes, terrifying, yes, great, everything about it. But every time they try to do something that's bigger than that and try to make an actual narrative, try to build actual characters, try to have like a plot, it doesn't work. So they, I think that the biggest thing with Damian Leone is to make sure that you know, moving forward that he does try to focus a little bit on building a world around art rather than just kind of like a stream of consciousness that art the clown is. So that's something I hope to see in the future, but obviously Damien Leone is like a special effects director before anything else. So we'll probably continue getting like crazy, you know, art, the clown moments more so than plots. So you can't really blame it for that, but overall, yeah, I, I, I really, really want you guys to see it. I, I think you guys would like it. So Cool. We actually have a question here from a from a listener um, who wants to ask all three of us a question, and uh, I told him that we would answer this on air. So Edwin Callahan, uh, thank you for this question here. Um, he says, um, "Do you all think Christmas horror films differ through the decades in terms of themes like commercialism, technology, or cultural perspectives?" Hey, yeah, we love Edwin. Um, I think that's a great question. So. To me, I can answer the way I see this perspective. Um, to answer that, you can kind of look back at the beginning of the Christmas. So, we were talking about Christmas horror films. So, if we look at the beginning of Christmas horror films, a lot of people were extremely against the idea of ever making a Christmas horror film. Um, just as I said with Christmas Evil, it was literally picketed. Um, I know that like the British Film Institute took all of them down um basically had nothing they wanted to do with christmas horror um they were like bring back santa claus the way it was so culturally um everybody really had kind of like the same outlook i guess you would say on it um they really did not want this to happen so i think that you can kind of see that built into the earlier kind of films like let's think like what black christmas christmas evil maybe even silent night deadly night you can kind of see those themes um more modern films has embraced it so like if we watch a film like krampus um you know it really kind of it opens up with a slow-mo black <laughs> friday scene so just seeing that like culturally like obviously today's films are much more commercializing christmas and commercializing santas as being like oh it's a funny trait to have an evil santa or hey it's you know it's cool to kind of like have krampus i think there's even like haunted walkthroughs throughout the country like where you can you know confront krampus face to face and these like you know horror themed christmas things like experiences i guess you'd say so there definitely is a big shift because it you could you could tell like horror films like 30 years ago based around Christmas 
was very, very testy in terms of what they would say, what they would do. And now it's much more embraced. So I think that overall we've kind of, as a culture, become desensitized. I don't know, to like an evil Santa and understand the differences. That's kind of how I would see it. I don't know if that answers yeah. the question. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that a little bit, but um, I think that all modern films now is, is nothing but commercialism, commercialism, especially horror films uh, for Christmas. But if you if you go back in the days between, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Christmas Evil, stuff from the past 30 years ago and stuff, um, a lot of it was just, hey, we need to take all the stuff for Christmas and make it as brutal or as bad as we can if we want to make santa look bad we want to make santa look like an, the evil version instead but they aimed all of that towards kids so you know you go to a video store and like kids would always pick out the most creepiest coolest looking cover art they they aimed at that uh the the commercials would all feature santa claus it would all feature things have to do with like christmas gifts and exchanges mixed in with like something that they shouldn't see uh, and nowadays it's all geared toward commercialism and like the, the family aspect of it and the fun of it. there's not really, well, it is in the independent level, but like studio quality horror films for Christmas is all geared for pretty much like a whole entire family and adults and stuff. It's not really aimed towards kids. I think I answered it. I don't <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You want to add anything, Mike? No, I mean, I think you both like really hit hit the nail on the head there. Really do. Not much I can really add to that, to be honest. And sorry, Edward, I didn't see your question. I would have better prepared for it. I didn't realize you asked the question. <laughs> so, yeah, we want to, uh, Edwin, thank you so much for uh, for reaching yes, out. And, uh, and definitely, if you have any more questions, um, uh, let us know. Send us uh, some messages through the Facebook or uh, any other type of form of social media, we will definitely answer them on the question or on, on the air. And um, I'll try to get everybody more involved next time. I, uh, I kind of threw this on you guys last moment with the question thing, but uh, um, yeah, thanks Edwin. We really appreciate you and uh, yes. we hope that you continue listening. So yes, and quickly a Thank shout you, out to conquest books. Um, Edwin actually runs conquest books and it's local here to Ashland, Kentucky. So if you ever find yourself in the Ashland, Kentucky area, he's a huge horror fan. He writes horror. Um, he's a friend of mine. I think it's, something you would definitely want to check out um especially if you're listening to this podcast so that's it cool all right fellas all right let us know what you guys think um again i guess ask us questions and we'll answer them on the air so welcome back to the main battle of fry fights podcast and this time around we are in delight to show you guys some christmas horror films we all three chose three separate Christmas horror films to battle each other. Um, Mike chose The Children. I chose Jack Frost. And Tyler chose Christmas Evil. So we are going to get into the battle here and see who is going to be the ultimate king when it comes to Christmas horror films. Uh, Mike, if you want to jump in and give us uh, the details about the film that you chose. Um, I absolutely will not. So uh, next, I'm just joking. All right. Um, <laughs> um, so I chose. And Mike loses. All right, that's and it. Mike All right. Well, thank hey, you great, for sharing. Great show, guys. Thank great you for show. sharing we'll your insights. You we appreciate it. <laughs> um, 
No, uh, I chose the title The Children. Um, the title itself does not sound like a Christmas movie, but it somewhat is. Uh, th- it, I think it was made in 2008. So basically, it's this relaxing Christmas vacation that turns into a terrifying fight for survival as the the children be- begin to turn on their parents. Which is kind of wild. Like, that's what kind of drew me in when I was kind of reading this, uh, the brief description of this movie. But one of the most effective aspects of this movie is the way the tension builds up. Because it is a very slow start. But from the moment you see the children, there is like an impending sense of doom. Like, there's there's something that's not right about about the children, even from the beginning, um, which talking about the beginning was very annoying. How all these kids are screaming. The family are the families are like super excited to be together for Christmas. Me personally, I love my family, but I'm not that excited to see them screaming and yelling for them personally. But the children themselves are like just over the top. Um, very odd and strange. Um, One thing I want to pick out on this whole movie, though, there was a scene in the beginning of the movie where this, these kids are sleigh riding and one kid's already kind of affected. Like you can already tell the little boy is sick. Something's wrong. And the sled goes down and hits, I guess his dad or stepdad or hits, hits a, hits a parent. And he's like, sitting down at this little table and uh, it kind of hits him and the parent gets so pissed off he runs up on top of the hill and just beats the living daylight out of him like beats the shit out of him throws him down the ground and spanking him like that myself I was like I, me having children that was kind of a turn off on that point but the the movie never gave a full description on what made the children sick which I was confused with, unless you all found out what did. I thought it was something to do with the cat, but if you all want to chime in on what you think, and then I will, I can finish off. So I can, I can, I gave the introduction to it, what, um, what, how it started. But um, if, okay. like I said, whoever wants to fill in. Okay. So first of all, this is not a Christmas movie. Leave it to Mike to choose the most non-Christmas related <laughs> horror film. It's a Christmas movie. It's, it's a, not it's, a Christmas no, it's, movie. It's, it's, it's a New Year's Eve movie. Or New yeah, Year's Day a, movie. It's a Christmas movie. It has fucking Christmas lights and it's, jingle bells. It has snow. I will Christmas. give it that it to snow. you. It it has snow. It's a winter film. It is not a Christmas movie. If you it take away the Christmas decorations movie. in the if you take away the decorations in the background, it is it would you would not even know that it takes place around Christmas time. Okay, in There's all fairness, nothing... if you took away, if I you was took just away anything to say... Christmas in the fucking Gremlins, which was one of the best Christmas movies <laughs> ever, it's not Christmas. It's okay. no, Chris there, probably there would say that Die Hard scenes. is a Christmas movie. There is actual scenes 
with the gremlins and Christmas trees and all the stuff, like shenanigans involving Christmas-related items. There is no Christmas-related items in this entire film whatsoever. There are background shots of decorations. Let me ask you something, Chris. Have you ever seen fucking Santa Claus? No. So what is Christmas? Okay, what is Christmas? <laughs> it is a Christmas movie. Christmas horror movie. Which I'm was gonna, a terrible movie that I chose. Mike, I have to... I'm gonna have to agree with Chris on this one. I'm sorry. It's, Thank okay. you. Well, no, here's okay. Here's the thing, though. I wouldn't say. Here's what it is. I picked up that it was a holiday around like winter break. So, in my opinion, it. I think it was like like a New Year's thing. Like it was like a post Christmas get together. So Christmas had just happened. However. I couldn't care. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Is this a Christmas movie? Is this not a Christmas movie? I honestly couldn't even like give a shit because at the end of the day, the children's annoying fucking like, like voices all the way through the Oh God. Yeah. It outweighed everything. So I could care less at the end of the day, what the (laughs) plot was or if there was children in it. I don't care if the the, the sledding accident happened. I didn't really care if it was, you know, I don't know if it was July 15th. I was just so taken out by how annoying these kids were that I couldn't even focus on the film. I just felt like it was a mixture between the good son and children of the corn. But, you know, well, first like, of all, just... I thought you picked the the movie, the children from like 1980 or 19, what was it, like 1974 or something. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> that's not a yeah. Christmas movie. And then <laughs> I think me and Chris both looked it up and we're like, well, okay, we, we get it now. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a I think there's a moment in the movie where they say, yeah, we're getting together with the family to have Christmas, uh, like Christmas dinner or Christmas weekend or something like that. Yeah. So we don't know if it is leading up to Christmas or if it Christmas already happened and they're just spending the remaining time together of it. So it, it's not really. I just take it. Spot. I take it that it's a British thing. That's all I'm gonna say. I think it's it's something that we don't understand. Only Brits would, because it is. I, a very I read this film. review. I read this review on this movie, and it, and it's pinpoint. It says this movie was extremely annoying. If you are into loads of screaming, <laughs> a poor plot, and plenty of examples of bad parenting, this is the movie for you. <laughs> like that is so true. Horrible movie. Um, what no, we what what the hell. What the hell made the kids sick? Was was it something with the cat? Like what what really See, made it? You, you were talking about the cat, but I had no idea what the like where did the cat come from? I didn't see no cat in the film. Like I don't remember any. You never cat saw the cat in, in the fucking tent, like the tent, like the. I remember like, seeing and, that part, but I don't remember anything at the beginning of it with them like having any interaction with it. There was I another just scene it being dead in there. Mm-hmm. There was another scene. I think it was over by some go- like they were out sleigh riding, and maybe the little girl, the little boy. It was over by like some bushes, and the cat was over there sniffing something. I think I believe, and the little girl went to get it, and then took it into the tent, and then that's where it just kind of everything cho- changed. I thought but, they couldn't find the cat. Oh, like they thought they were like jinxy cat, jinxy cat, and you heard well, yeah, it like yeah. but you didn't yeah, see but, it. Well, you, I think. I'm not if I, if I'm not mistaken. It was like I a ghost cat, the, a ghost cat for sure. But the cat was taken into the tent. So the little girl, I think the little girl took took the cat in, and was the kid was the cat sick then, which infected the little girl, 
which maybe the little girl killed the cat. But then again, it seemed like the little boy on top of the hill was the first one to be really affected by it because he was the one acting odd the, the whole beginning. And yeah, like, he, he acted strange from from the get go. And if you notice, it, it is some type of infection, like a virus of some sort that's causing it because it, it cuts to really quick clips of like the camera focusing on like the eyeball and then it'll go to like a shot of like cells that are like mutating and forming together, yeah. like bloody cells. And then it goes right back to showing the kids like twitching or, or moving around. And so I, it, it's obviously something virus or infection related, but where it comes from, I have no idea because like you said, that that kid seemed to be the first one to go. Um, and if you want to jump in toward the end of it, 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 I don't think it's something related to the cat because they're trying to leave the area and there's like a group of like 30 kids that show up in the woods toward the end of the movie. And so you're led to believe like the whole entire town had this happen to them. Well, and here's my thing though. If it's like a viral, you know, like, like a, a spreading viral virus, why are the parents, <laughs> right. But why aren't the, why aren't the, why aren't the parents, the adults affected? Yeah. That's another question too. And it's like, the uh one of the girls in the movie uh she's a teenager but it, i don't know if it's clear of like what age she is if she's like 18 or if she's like 17 yeah. but she doesn't get affected by it but she's still considered a kid and right. it's it's like at what point like what age does it stop affecting people it's really it's not clear no no very it was not a well described film i i don't think there was any um major it wasn't a very thought out movie to, to be honest with you. Um, did it have potential? Like maybe, but then again, I was so annoyed with how over the top the, the, the children were in the beginning of the movie, which instantly was a turnoff. Like these kids were screaming, like they just fucking went to toys R us or something, but it was awful. It was just a, a terrible movie. Uh, this like nobody knew how the kids began sick. And I'm still looking up like messages in, on IMDb, what other people thought, and they're still everybody says confused on how the children became sick. No one has yeah. a good idea on how they became sick. But we um, also can't we also can't look over the because you you mentioned the potential, and me and you talked about this movie a little bit outside of the show, and it it had some really good effects with it. Uh, there were all no, practical. Yeah. All practical effects, really well done, um, and some actual intense moments because you put yourself in a in a parent's position um, and you look at yourself. You know, a kid, your your own child starts to attack you, and how do you defend yourself? Like you you don't want to kill your child, and they put these people in that situation. I think that's what the main point of the film was: is like, what would you do if you were put in the situation where you're up against someone you don't want to kill, but you absolutely have to to save yourself? Like, yeah. What's, what are you going to do? And um, I think those did did make for some intense moments. Like there's a scene where um, they're inside this tent uh, or like a greenhouse. Of, I think it's a greenhouse or something like that. And the kid starts attacking this lady and her leg gets broken. So she can't move anywhere. And she's about to die from her own child. So she pushes him out of the way and he falls backwards on this big like glass plate of some sort. And it kills him. And it's like this really emotional, intense scene. And I thought that was really well played out. But it 
it's kind of few and far between between the scenes that are good and the scenes that are, are don't make any sense of what's going on. I was just very, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it could have been, it could have been good. And what you said off this, I mean, how terrible is that? Could you possibly kill a child? And and better yet, could you kill your own child if it was trying to kill you? I don't know the answer to that. I, I me probably not. If it was my own child, you know. I mean, just just being being real, as a parent of two, probably let my child kill me. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I don't know if I could kill my my own child. So, another person's child, yeah. I, I mean, that sounds awful. But if I'm trying to defend my family and my children myself. Yeah, but on that way of the movie, yes, that scene was very, I guess, emotional, heartbreaking, and and scary all rolled into one. That was a very that segment that section of the movie was done well, and it wasn't like the the it wasn't <clears throat> like it was bad special effects. I mean, it wasn't like anything like that was done on that part of the movie. The movie was done decently well. It's just very confusing on how these children became sick. The beginning of the movie was a little over the top of just being annoying. Um, the kids, yes, the kids were creepy, yeah. But um, in all regards to that, I was just very confused on 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 what caused it. I wanted to know more. I guess if they would have taken time on describe or showing how maybe maybe the cat ate something and then got sick and like it what was the movie called back in the day it was about monkeys called outbreak like something like that maybe the cat bit the kid or something and then the you know they coughed or they you know sneezed on some you know something like that i could understand but there was nothing described or there was nothing showed or showed in, in in the movie that explained that and that's my biggest hang up if i don't know what's going on I'm very, I'm very taken back, but it was done. It had potential. I will say that if I say anything good about the movie, it had potential or possibilities. I guess possibility would be, be a better description. Um, so for me, for the movie, I I wanted to give it a higher rating just because it was my pick, but I have to be fair with like our, our game. I gave it a three because I just did not enjoy it. I didn't didn't I, I wanted more out of it. Um it could have been okay an okay movie, like it could have been a four or a five, but um it fell short on describing what what happened. So that's my rating on my movie. Yeah. Um I I wasn't as annoyed with the kids as you two were. Uh I kind of looked past them a little bit. Um I did enjoy the practical effects. I enjoyed some of the intense moments between parent and child um, trying to figure out whether or not they're going to kill the kid or the kid's going to kill them. I thought that was, was good. Um, very confused on the same as you guys, very confused on how the virus or infection happened, where it came from. Why did it only affect kids? Why didn't it affect anybody else? Um, did it happen to the whole town? Did it only happen to them? Was it a worldwide thing? What's, what's going on? Um, and it's not a Christmas movie. Um, I gave <laughs> I gave this movie a four out of ten. I thought that the potential of it was there. It was well made. Um, there's some cool shots to it. Um, it definitely had kind of that winter cold feeling to it. Uh, it just was missing 
a few things that could have made it a little bit better of a film. See, yeah, that's what I kind of think of it too. Um, this film was from 2008, and I think watching it, it has like a 2008 look. If that if that's the thing, um, it definitely was made. <clears throat> excuse me, it was definitely made by a group of filmmakers that was not amateur. It has some like really incredible like cinematography moments, and the mm-hmm. sledding accident scene was really good. And that's about it. That's all. I, <laughs> that's that's really the only positive yeah. I can think about. Um, yeah. I think that they were on to something and I kept quite, okay, before I get my rating, I want to say all the way through the film, I kept questioning. I was like, are they trying to do something bigger with this that I'm not getting? Cause it felt like they were trying to almost like say something or tell something. And I kept like trying to reach and I was really trying to think like, what could this be like, <clears throat> you know? Is this some kind of like an allusion to something? Or are they trying to like tell a weird kind of like side story that we don't understand? And I honestly think that it was just misdirected. I think that it was very misguided as a film. So yeah. overall, you know, outside of the the fact that it was made very professionally and it had, you know, reasonably good practical effects, it did have a couple moments where you were kind of like, ooh, like cringing. Um, I think that it would deserve maybe like a four out of ten. So Definitely something that I would never revisit again. Um, right. They get a point off because it's not a Christmas movie. And overall, <laughs> I think that, you know, it, it, would, it would be definitely something that might be worth checking out. Um, every movie that we mentioned tonight, I will say is on Tubi. So if you are wanting to see something that's different, you've just seen everything. I I mean, I would, I hate saying it, but I kind of would recommend watching it one time just because it's so like out there strange that maybe you pick up something that we didn't because it was so bizarre almost in a weird way. And I don't think it was, but the thing is, is it wasn't in a good way. It was bizarre in a bad way. That's kind of where I felt. So, and I just, I just want to put this out. I don't mean to interrupt, but on no, the children, good. if you go look it up on IMDb, it does say a relaxing Christmas vacation for you both. It was a Christmas movie. Boom. Hammer, hammer down. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm just. <laughs> they are taking a vacation from Christmas. There we go. Chevy Chase yeah. just pops out of nowhere at the end of yeah. it. <laughs> so, um, hey. Mike, you gave it a three. Tyler, you gave it a four, and I gave it a four. That is eleven. It's a score 11. of eleven right now. Oh man! That's... Well, the shitter's full. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys want to hear my movie? Let's do it. All right. All right. So for my pick is a movie that I've actually really admired for a long time. And I think it's just because it's so bizarre and interesting to me. Um, It kind of has a nostalgic because back whenever I was getting into horror, it really kind of like as I was discovering Silent Night, Deadly Night or discovering like Black Christmas, it kind of came across as a new movie and Vinegar Syndrome had put it out. And I was like, man, what is this? So I remember buying it blindly and putting it on. And I was very like taken back by how strange it was. And that is the 1979 movie. I think it was like 1979. You better watch out. And otherwise now it is known as Christmas evil. It's um, 1980. 1980. Yeah. It's, it's right at the, it's right on the cusp of like, you know, the 80s coming about with all the slasher kind of vibes because i don't know if i could necessarily call this a slasher but it it does go pretty close to slasher um 
but it's Lewis Jackson. He has made, you know, hardly no other films besides this. And it actually has a really interesting story about how it came to be. And I remember watching this and hearing about this, but essentially they thought they were making like a true all tour type of film. Like when they, they went all out and they wanted to make a movie called you better watch out. Um, he had actually written the script. Lewis Jackson did. He said, I want to make something that's absolutely like groundbreaking, a holiday film, killer Santa kind of vibes. And he went out and he like hired this cinematographer from France who had just won like a bunch of awards for like some of his French films. And that's something, <laughs> excuse me, that's something that you kind of can tell and see in the film. It has this very like unique quality to it. And aside from that, it's basically about a story. Um, it takes place like back 1940s and there's like two kids and it's christmas day or christmas eve i should say and they come across their dad dressed as santa and whenever they come across their dad he's like it's not the thing is is it's not really implied if it's his dad or not like you don't know if it's actually santa claus um but i mean it is implied that it's his dad so the thing is is that you kind of see that and they are trying to prove that santa's real one of the kids is a believer. One of the kids is a non-believer and they end up going to their room because Santa like looks at them in the eyes and, you know, as a kid, you don't want to get caught by Santa. So when they get back to the room, you know, one's a non-believer, one's a believer. Obviously he wants to prove it. So he goes back. Um, his name's Harry as a kid. Um, and he sees that like Santa's kind of getting frisky. Like Santa is like, getting it on with his mom and Fucking his mom <laughs> yeah so it's just like you know it's almost like kinder trauma at that point and fast forwarding um adult harry now is now suffering i'm guessing a, a nice fair bit of trauma and he is working in a toy store or working at a toy factory i should say and he essentially is low-key like wanting to be santa is how i interpreted it um, and it's not exactly clear um, what drives him to do this. I don't know if it's, you know, from from seeing that in the past has a weird connection with Christmas because of that at a young age. But essentially, he's watching all the neighborhood kids. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's making sure everybody's staying good. He's trying to deliver toys to like a children's hospital and all of this. Um, it does turn sour. Um, he has his naughty list. Um, there's a lot of like weird kind of implications as well. <clears throat> but I think that overall, it's like one of those films that you kind of watch for those weird quirks. And I know John Waters, um, you can't really mention Christmas Evil without mentioning John Waters. Um, I really love him as a filmmaker and I respect him. And he actually, I think back before it even got a release on DVD or anything, John Waters had written about this at length about how much he loved <clears throat> Christmas Evil, and it kind of made it come out of obscure obscurity because it was boycotted heavily upon release. Like people were literally out there with a picket sign saying, "Do not watch this movie. We believe in Santa," kind of thing. Same with um, Silent at Deadly Night. Um, but this one was more the obscure one, and it kind of just went away and it never was released. Hardly no one watched it at that point. I think it was even like labeled as a video nasty. Um, but fast forwarding, Troma finally released it in 2000 on DVD. People kind of like picked up on it little by little. 
now it has even more releases like from vinegar syndrome and stuff but at the time what made it really interesting was no one liked it to today where it has this weird kind of cult status so the story of christmas evil kind of goes far past you know just the movie itself but um overall the movie it's i think it's fun i think it's great um i think that it does have a lot you can say about it um there's a lot to it but um i kind of want to hear your guys's opinion on what you thought about just like the story itself because it is a story that you can kind of interpret you know two or three different ways and i think it's kind of fun to just even talk about that man i thought it was like a um kind of a santa themed child's play you know in, in, in a way with the 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 toy factory the 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 kills things like that um i enjoyed the film i did it, it was definitely a whole lot better than my film um santa banging the chick in the beginning was you know score for santa literally i mean score <laughs> for santa um i think it was just kind of like off the wall slasher film that you know that i would say it's not so like it, it, just your typical slasher but around like you know christmas which it it just fit well um i like the uh what was it um who was the father was was his name harry <clears throat> the kid's name was harry like the kid's name harry yes okay yeah um i i mean to, for me overall um this is the first time i've even heard about it or or seen it so i just went in kind of like you know not expecting much because a little bit of an older film um so it was entertaining to me um old saint nick running around with an axe you know and just just doing work so <clears throat> You know, I'm all about slasher films. I'm all about like you know quick kills. I throw a Santa outfit on. It's it's a win for me, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, I I gave it a six out of ten. Nice. Um, because I think if I would have seen it years ago, I I would even liked it more probably. But then again, I don't know where I'm where I am where I am older. I guess I did appreciate it, but um. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll throw some more things in here just listening to you guys talk about it. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I think it's funny because John Waters says it's like it was better than It's a Wonderful Life. They're like, it's, you know, it's just true, like Christmas fun. It's like better than It's a Wonderful Life. And I think it's funny that they compare he compared that to that. It's just I think it's goofy. But it is, it is, excuse me, it is fun, like, you know, more fun than It's a Wonderful Life. So if you want to really go into like a Christmas kind of like slashery horror movie and you want to have a good time, you just want to like, you know, chill out, enjoy it. It's, it's a perfect movie to do that too. Yeah. I, I knew yeah. you were going to, I knew you were going to choose this movie because you've had this weird obsession love for this movie for a really long time. And you know that I have not liked this movie for a really long time. Um, so I went into it wanting to think differently this time, giving it every chance I possibly could. And to be honest, I actually found myself enjoying the film this time around more than I ever have in the past. Yes. I've always, I've always used this film. as kind of like, it, it's, it's really boring. I don't understand the ending of it. Um, it's I can throw yeah, it on during Christmas. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but uh, I can always throw it on in the background during Christmas time. And it can be kind of like that cool atmosphere for Christmas horror films. But it was, to me, it was always a boring film. And I never would really recommend it. Um, but this time, um, I, I did I did enjoy it a little bit more. I'm, I'm not saying that I loved it or anything like that. But I thought that uh, Harry being the killer Santa Claus... Um, there wasn't really any indication of why he wanted to be Santa Claus because, you know, if he sees something that's going to traumatize him, at, you know, at, as a child, you would think he would steer clear of it, kind of in the vein of Silent Night, Deadly Night, where the the guy didn't want to dress up as Santa Claus because of the stuff he saw as a kid. You would think this would be the same way, but for some reason, all the bad stuff he saw, it drove him to be more like Santa, which was didn't make sense to me. Um but it was also really weird that he would grow up and want to be like checking on the children to make sure they're nice or they're mean. And he's, he's keeping a list of them. And, um, but he's also seems like this really nice person at work where he got a promotion. He's doing really well, but everybody there is making fun of him. And it's what turns him into the killer to begin with. It's just, it it's very, uh, it, it can't decide like how it wants to treat the character. To, in my opinion, is he supposed to be somebody who's not liked, or is he supposed to be somebody who's good because he's keeping an eye and making sure like kids are getting what they need? Because he is, he steals from the the company and takes us to like a charity shop, like mm-hmm. all these things. Um, but this time around, I I enjoyed the parts with him being the killer. Uh, whenever he actually dresses up and goes out and, you know, the first time he, he hits that person with the axe and like runs off, I didn't even remember that for the first time I watched it. Uh, so it was all that felt kind of new to me. And uh, I started like, you know, paying more close attention to it and and enjoying it a little bit more. And then you have the scene where he goes to that church and just, you know, kills like three or four people, um, like hits him in the head and like chops him in the chest and everything. It was just unexpected to me and it was random um but yeah mike was talking about the ending what what's with the ending like that's one of the things too that all ultimately made me not like the film uh initially was because the ending never made any sense because what what the fuck like yeah if you if you haven't seen the movie it's played straight he is a complete 100 percent human he you know, dresses up like Santa and he, he even puts like a, the wig on and glues it to his face. So he feels more like Santa. Uh, And then ultimately at the end of the film, he's trying to run away from everybody in town when they're like picketing toward him or whatever. And he gets in his van, he drives away and he drives off a bridge and then his van starts floating in the air. (laughs) And then it picks up and goes across the moon in the sky, like Santa's reindeer. Like what, what is that? It's. Uh, I think I would appreciate it more if I was high, like at the end. That's what I mean. He was, he was pretty watch. high up in the sky. Hey. Mm. Well, to me, okay, Christmas Evil can be watched like multiple different ways. Like you can connect it. It has so many different connections, and you can either choose to ignore certain ones, pick up certain ones, and I guess in the aspect of what do you what do you mean connections? Connections to what? So, for example, okay, so ET. No. <laughs> Floating in the air. Very close though. Um no. But okay, so the children. You can watch it. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> the sequel to Christmas Evil is actually the children. <laughs> okay, so the way I see it, you can watch it as Harry was traumatized as a kid. 
he was a true believer of Santa. He wanted to like, you know, believe he was real with everything in him. And then he was betrayed by his like, you know, seeing his mom and dad getting it on in a Santa outfit. His mind was like, oh, my God, you know, is Santa not real? Maybe. I mean, maybe he had thoughts about that after moving forward. He has now pledged himself to being like the best version of like a Robin Hood style Santa he could possibly be. So you can make that connection and say, well, maybe he wants to be like, you know, keeping a watch file on the town and he wants to work at this toy store and get like a promotion and donate um, toys and like deliver gifts to everybody and, you know, be the best version of Santa he could be because of that. Or you could say maybe that traumatized him. So therefore, you know, you better watch out because he will do things for you if like you like trust in Santa and you believe in Santa and you're absolutely good. But if you're naughty or if like you just cross his path and he's he has like psychosis almost like I feel like he's he has this like psychotic kind of like inner side, which caused him to like derangedly murder and start killing people. And that's because of that. I guess you can make the connection saying, hey, maybe it's past trauma because of that made that connection. Or maybe he's just truly psychologically, you know, not intact. So you can make those connections whichever way you want. So there's multiple ways to look at it. Then at the end, you're like, okay, so you could almost take it like a body horror, like maybe him gluing the stuff to his face and pretending to be Santa and killing people and maybe like, you know, trying to spread Christmas cheer. He believes he's Santa. He's transforming into Santa. And maybe either A, it's really happening and he is becoming Santa, like a true transformation, or maybe he actually drove off that cliff and died at the end and you're seeing what he would want to have become. And it's almost like the vision of what if that what if he was Santa? He he truly believed he was. So that's almost like a vision of what that could be. So keep in mind, none of those are necessarily the way you should watch it. None of those things are necessarily true. I'm just saying like you can make you know, seven, eight, nine different story connections of plot and really kind of watch it different ways every time. And well, yeah, but when, whenever he fully takes on the spirit of Santa or whatever you want to call it, and he's already killed multiple people, we're toward the end of the film. He goes to his brother's house and he's, he's hairy again. He says, you know, Hey, I've, I've found my, my tune. I've, I've seen the tune that I've always meant to be singing. And it's even his brother is like, what are you, what are you talking about? What tune are you talking about? And that's what I'm thinking as well. Like, what is he referencing? Because we're missing something because he's talking about finding his tune, but nobody's ever mentioned anything before about him being off. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. It's very, it's almost like there's some scenes that, that were deleted that we didn't get a full story with. Um, I don't know if that's the case. And with, I don't know any backstory behind this or not, but, I just I found myself really confused. Um, is it the like the ending of it led to believe that he became Santa Claus? Like he did what he needed to do to become the actual presence of Santa? <clears throat> maybe, I, maybe that's what I mean. I'm thinking you could watch it that way for sure. And keep in yeah. mind when this movie was made, it was made you know pretty low budget. The guy wanted to to make a masterpiece. And he hired the best of the best people to be able to do it with them. And they really, I know they had multiple reshoots. The studio wasn't happy with it. They didn't think a killer Santa movie. What they wanted to do was they wanted to make, he wanted to make something much, much more than what the studio wanted to make. And the studio really just wanted that killer Santa movie. 
Usually, if I was to give a rating for Christmas Evil, I would give a rating of a 4 out of 10. Okay? Upon this viewing, with the more interesting kills that I, I witnessed this time, the looking at the story a little differently this time, being more involved, I guess, um, and just trying to figure out what the whole hell the ending means, um, and pretty much what the whole entire movie really means, uh, I, I enjoyed it more this time around. I, I think that it does have a really good Christmas feel to it. It has a good Christmas atmosphere. Um, I bumped this up to a six. Hey! You know, I'll take it. I'll take that. Yeah, I was actually very surprised with Whoa. the the kills, and I thought the kills were actually pretty gory for it to be, uh, you know, nineteen eighty, especially well, heard, a Christmas film from the eighties. I heard that Mike um, thinks this is his new favorite Christmas horror film. It's absolutely genius. It's absolutely the best movie he's ever seen, right, Mike? Yeah. The children. You know, honestly, it's kind of spooky. Um. You guys can't like see this like we're seeing it, but Mike is currently like a, I guess you'd say like a shadow man. Oh, there he is. Sorry, I'm back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> actually, I was, I was actually taking a taking a piss. See, I was like, hear my the noise. But anyways, go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you on the shitter right now? No, I'm standing up. I'm peeing. No way. <laughs> I feel yes, I feel very intimate and with if, you right now. If I keep if I keep hitting mute, I'm gonna, and I keep like peeing, I'm gonna pee on the seat. So I'm gonna put you guys back on mute. Don't put us down too far. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he carried his phone into the bathroom with him. Yeah. Like he could have just got his Bluetooth on his phone would have worked for his headphones. <laughs> like he didn't have to literally take the phone camera into the bathroom. For us to uh, enjoy his his pee with him, but thank you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I do feel very special. <laughs> As we say that, Mike's like it's like that. It's like that. You know the pee sound. I can't. How do you make a pee sound? Oh, I feel better. I don't know, but I, I am I am keeping this in the podcast, and I'm going to add a pee sound. <laughs> to it. Oh my god! <laughs> well, the reason I took my freaking phone with me was because my son woke up again, and. Uh, yeah, so then I was like, oh, well, I'm here by the bathroom. I'm just going to take a piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's moments like this I love. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, All right back, so back, to... back to Christmas <laughs> Evil. Yeah. <laughs> Mike wants to the children the again. The, the, the night the piss got away. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, he pees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds very bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I enjoyed the film, Tyler. I I shot it when I first saw like the movie, the title, and the the poster for it. I was like, eh. And then uh, I first watched it. I was like, ah, it might not be good. But shockingly, six out of ten, man. Hey, six out of ten. All right, well, y'all know what I'm going to say about it. I absolutely freaking adore this film. Um, better than Black Christmas, in my opinion. Better than Silent Night, Deadly Night. You just throw Ooh. it up there, and I'm going to say I, I loved it. I mean, I absolutely think this film is super rewatchable, more rewatchable than any of the other Christmas horror films made. Um, 
And with that being said, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to say it's a 9 out of 10. Ooh. I really love this film. 9 out of 10 for sure. Wow. I mean, it it does have rewatchability to it because, like I said, even whenever I didn't really care for the movie, during Christmas time, I did use it in the background to play during, you know, just as I was doing stuff around the house. (laughs) Like... And then ultimately end up watching it again for you guys and and liked it even more this time. So it, it does have there's something to it. There's something there is. to it. And that's why I, that's why I love it so much because I was kind of on the same boat as you guys were whenever you um you, as you guys were talking about like how you kind of just like have a lot of questions about it or maybe you didn't really connect with it. The first time I watched it, I didn't really necessarily have a connection with it as much as I do now. And as I continue to like think about it, and I, I did some research on it because it was such a, it's such a weird concept of a story. Um, at the end of the day, that's just kind of like become almost like part of my like Christmas tradition is watching Christmas evil. And I just, every time I just love it. I can almost quote it at this point. It's just like one of those weird films that I'm just absolutely in love with. So yeah, I'm glad you guys so, like it. Uh, a nine. So that's uh what six, yeah. six and nine. So that's what a uh, twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty one. Heck yeah! Oh, wow. All right, so we're at um twelve. Mike, you uh you, you better watch it out. Yeah. Tyler's Tyler's ahead. See what I did there. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win the will. All right, let's. All right, Chris. Let's move on to the best killer snowman movie ever made. Um, Jack Frost. I believe it is around what 1996. Uh, and no, it's not the one with Michael Keaton. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> So this one is about a serial killer that is being transported to its his uh, his place of execution, and while in the moving vehicle, they are it's like it's really snowing out a lot. So they're trying to they're driving around the snow, and they actually have an accident, and they collide with another vehicle that is carrying some type of chemical from like a, a research lab, where is a it's a chemical that bonds molecules with other things. And in particular, um, whenever they they crash, that chemical hits Jack, well, Jack Frost, the serial killer, um, and it bonds his human molecules to the snow, which then results in him becoming a snowman and becoming a killer snowman. (laughs) And uh, I know it's a it's a ludicrous idea, but it's it's an over top, over the top uh, idea as well. But it's so much fun. I absolutely love everything about this movie. Um, from the beginning of the film, you have this opening dialogue sequence with like, the, or the credit sequence with this person telling a kid a bedtime story. And they're actually telling them the story of Jack Frost, the serial killer. And it's done like, you know exactly what you're getting into the second that he starts telling this story. And I mean, it is, it's funny. It's really funny. Him just, making these rhymes about Jack gouging uh, people's eyes out with candlesticks <laughs> and uh, using sticks and stones to break people's bones. And it's, it's a really fun little story and it's a, a, a very well done and really well executed uh, intro into what is coming for the rest of the film. Um, so if you like what you see there, you're definitely going to like the rest of the film. Um, 
But the movie is very, very cheesy, very, very low budget. And we're talking, I mean, the snowman itself, the killer snowman, is probably like styrofoam, um, paper mache mixed with styrofoam. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what they use for the effect, but uh, it was a lot of fun uh, to watch. Now, <laughs> the serial killer, um, whenever Jack uh, Jack Frost kills somebody, it, it uses um, it uses snow a lot. Mm. So there's a lot of snow effects. There's a lot of ice effects. There's a lot of Christmas related effects into it. Um, as far as you know, Jack Frost killing people with Christmas ornaments, using Christmas trees, using snowballs and icicles. So it's a very atmospheric Christmas themed horror film, and uh, it's definitely made as like a slasher s tone too, because the serial killer Jack Frost is doing these one liners. So he kills somebody, and he'll be like, you know, doing this like, ah, you gotta be kidding me. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's silly. It's over the top. And I cannot get enough of this movie. There's a, a there's a picture if you if you Google Jack Frost like horror film, there's a picture of the killer snowman sitting in like a car, just like with its head turned smiling. Mm. And yeah. it's enough it's enough just to make you laugh from that visual. And imagine the entire film being that way. Um, so I highly recommend anybody to check this out. Um, I, I'll. I talked to Mike about this a little bit already too, because uh, Mike is the same as me. He likes cheesy. He likes silly when it comes to horror films. Um, mm-hmm. So I really want to know, Tyler, I don't know if you'd ever seen this film. So I really wanted to choose this to see what you thought of Jack Frost. Well, it ain't fucking frosty. <laughs> <laughs> that really sounded like him too. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was good. So, um, Oh, I, Mom, I'm a Picasso. (laughs) Well, okay. I could get on board with cheesy, um, especially direct to video, kind of like 90s fun films. So, watching it with that in mind, I love the hell out of it, honestly. Um, it is so bad, it's good. It's nothing that you could take too serious. And to be honest, it doesn't take itself seriously. Um, I have watched it once before. This is my second watch. Um, you can't even fault it for I. I can't sit here and give you an analysis of what I think about it because everything I would say would sound so fucking like stupid <laughs> that it wouldn't even like make any sense. <laughs> but it's it's meant to be. It's meant to be that yeah. way. It's self aware. Um, like you said, it is super low budget and. I love the scene. I don't know why I laugh every time. No one else laughs at the scene, but there's a scene where they have like a snowman making competition and the entire yeah. town is like 75 degrees and sunny. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it only has snow and one little tiny area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. they don't like make like any kind of movie magic or anything like where they're trying to like keep a very tight shot. They just show a whole ass like wide view of this and they're making yeah. snowman in like 70 degree weather. You can tell. And I just crack up every time I see that. And the one-liners are great. Um, I think it's absolutely bonkers where he's able to, like, you know, meld into a, like you said, basically using atoms and molecules and experiments to, like, turn into a snowman. The fact that his name is Jack Frost as a serial killer is absurd. It's ludicrous. It's just great. You know, it's just, it's goofy. Um, 
again, it's not something that I would necessarily say that you could even like watch and be like, oh, well, let's sit down and like, you know, analyze this and talk about the characterization of this film. It's just, you know, you're going to put it on with like, you know, it's, it's pizza and hot cocoa night. You're going to have a good time. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fun. Yeah. I was, I was telling Mike, uh, there's a few things I, I pointed this out to him. He didn't even notice this, but it's just certain little things that are really funny that make me love the movie so much. And uh, if you if you remember in the scene where um, Shannon Elizabeth's character, um, <laughs> her and her boyfriend sneak into the sheriff's house and um, they're going to, you know, they're going to get it on. They're, she goes up and takes her shower and um, Jack Frost uh, sneaks in, but he he freezes himself into the freezer or something like that. I don't know exactly how he does it, but um, the, the boyfriend goes over to the refrigerator or opens up the freezer and it's nothing but just ice completely frozen into that freezer. So he grabs like an <laughs> ice pick and he just starts like chipping away at this big chunk of ice. And then he grabs the ice that falls out of it and puts it in his wine. And whenever he drops the ice cubes in the wine, it is 100% like pure cut, like already cut ice, ice chips. Uh, and just stuff like that is just really silly. That's really funny because there's no way him just randomly chopping at ice like that would make a perfectly cut ice cube i just um, want to know why he was like ice picking his freezer to begin with and how did the ice even like you know what i mean it's just like those are the questions you have when you watch this yeah and then <laughs> there's the scene too where um, at the beginning of the film when the old man dies he's sitting outside yes, on his rocking yes. chair <laughs> and from where it's outside and it's winter time like the, the the sheriff and everybody's looking at him like you know what do we do do we have a serial killer on our hands what do we go about doing this do we go ahead and bag him up and the rocking chair is just rocking back and forth the entire time and you don't think anything of it for like it, it's a long shot too it goes on for probably like maybe like a minute and a half to two minutes and all of a sudden the sheriff looks down and says like to the to the deputy you know stop doing that with your foot and he like lets go of it he's like rocking the chair the entire time and then the chair stops rocking it's just little silly things like that Mm -hmm. that happen that's it's so funny to me and i know i'm not describing these in the best way that makes them funny like everybody's listening is probably like that doesn't sound funny but Uh watching it, it in context with the film it's it's super silly and just super funny it's very over the top and have you guys guys watched twin peaks because i don't know what it is but that entire town was giving me like hardcore like twin peaksy kind of vibes i thought that was like a really weird overlay i mean it felt very wintry but i thought it was a very weird overlay to like such a goofy story was this very like clean cut twin peaksy kind of like wood town i don't know i thought it was funny there was yeah, that, there was one part in the movie that you have to pay attention to, and I thought it was absolutely freaking hilarious. It was when the teenage uh, Jake's the the uh, his head is cut off by the sled runner. Um, his far his father is arguing with the sheriff whether like you know Tommy, the sheriff's son, had anything to do with it, and uh, the sheriff keeps backing. You know, Tommy wouldn't have been fighting with Jake because you know. Jake is at two, at least two feet taller than Tommy, and at that moment, you can hear if you're if you pay attention, someone in the background chimes in, 
not anymore. <laughs> it's like, yeah, where his yeah, head, it's like a it's, it's like a silly voice too. It's like a it's like a yeah. teenager's voice. They're just like yeah, it's, yeah. it's very funny. I, I caught that as well. That, uh, li- that is little things. Oh my god, little things. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. And then when the sheriff runs into the building, and um, the snowman is trying like he's tr- chasing after him to kill him or do whatever. And he's starting to melt to go through the door, like, you know, go through the cracks of the door. And the sheriff is ripping posters off the wall to fill up the cracks like water can't, like, you know, like the posters will prevent it's like the water. Yeah, construction yeah, paper. Yeah, like construction paper. <laughs> filling it like no, nothing can seep through past construction paper. And it's just like little things like that. And it's working. It's, it's actually working. Yeah, it prevents it. Like nothing's going to. Oh. And then where the son makes the, the his dad a a a dessert for lunch and puts fucking antifreeze in his dad's dessert. Yes, and he's like <laughs> puts antifreeze. One that would kill nobody. Him. What did you yeah, put in nobody. those oats? Antifreeze. Thank God. Well, I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I need you to go down to the station and gather. Anna frees me back here Anna in five freeze. minutes. Next yeah. thing you know, they're having an entire fucking family reunion in the middle of this Anna freeze, swimming around, like hugging and kissing each other. Yes. We did it. We did it, guys. I'm like, it's Anna freeze. Get out of there. Yeah, dude. Wild. That kid Wild. is old enough to know that you cannot mix any type of chemical with food. So, like, why? Like, he's got to be what, like 10, 11? Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah, that's that's the only issue I have with this movie is that that particular thing. Like, maybe he was supposed to be a lot younger or something uh, initially in the script, but uh, it was really stupid that he would make something that has actual chemicals from a vehicle into like gingerbread cookies or whatever he was making. It was like oats um, and something. Oats or something, yeah. And the fact that they did the foreshadowing where like he goes, the sheriff goes to throw the oats in the garbage can. And then like, he looks up at the sky and like, you hear the voiceover saying, dad, I made that just for you. And then he like, he rethinks it and he grabs them out and puts them back in his car. Just so that way at the end of the movie where he can grab them and try to kill the snowman with it. Like it's a, it's so, it's so silly. My only issue I can think of, um, if we're going to bring up any kind of issue that we would have is, the whole kind of cat and mouse at the very end of it with Jack Frost and, you know, them trying to like run away from him. It kind of seemed like it did go on a little too long for me. Like I was like, man, how many times did it come back? How many times is it going to shrink down to like liquid and then return back into snowman form? So I did have a problem with kind of how long that went on for, but the problem is, is it was very redeeming and it redeemed itself with the whole antifreeze scene. So I can't even be mad at that because the antifreeze really paid off at the end. So that was like a little gripe I'd have, but overall, it still paid off. <laughs> yeah, loved. I loved it. It was absolutely horribly great. <laughs> yeah. So even though that it's low budget, the effects are actually they they use everything they can to their limitations. Like they push the boundaries with their effects, and it's it makes it even better for, for of a film because you know how limited they were with it, but yet they pulled this off. They pulled off being able to use like styrofoam as a snowman or like, I don't even know. I, I don't know what they use, um, but it's fun. Like you look at the snowman and he's a believable character of a killer snowman. You really believe that that snowman is alive to kill people. And 
I just I can't get enough of this movie. I watch it multiple times every single Christmas. It is the ultimate Christmas horror film, uh, in my opinion. I love this movie. And similar to you and Christmas Evil, uh, I give this movie a nine out of ten. Oh wow! <laughs> it it was really good. Nine out of ten is a stretch, but I give it a solid seven out of ten. I really enjoyed the cheesy slasher. I would definitely watch it over and over again just for the simple fact of the one-liners and such the dumb, stupid scenes. Um, it's more of a comedy horror uh, to me mixed with a dad. I mean, Christmas and, and being oh, involved. No, so. It's it's straight comedy. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I gave it a seven out of 10. I really enjoyed it. You know, I will say it's one of those movies. Here, here's my memory of Jack Frost growing up was essentially I watched the Michael Keaton film and I was like, I was a kid. Like I was like, like young, young, like I was a couple years old when these came out. And I remember we had a video rental um, subscription um, to the one over here locally. And I remember walking down through like the aisles and obviously they end up going alphabetical and this was probably like 2000 maybe 2001 and i remember it was a couple years after it had came out and they had just put it in the alphabetical aisle and on one side they had michael keaton's jack frost and then you would like turn the corner and go to the horror section and then you would see like jack frost like the one we're talking about right now and i was so confused and i had thought they had made like a sequel or something where like michael keaton came back and turned evil and i remember mm-hmm. i was like i really want to see this mom you know i really want to see this dad can i rent it and they were like no you can't rent this and i had no idea that it was like part of two completely separate like storylines or universes mm-hmm. and that was like part of like my my growing up and then i learned Probably, yeah, it was probably like three or four years later. I was probably like in my teens whenever I finally learned that they were two separate films. And I had seen it for the first time. Um, it's been like probably like six years since I watched it. So um, I remember watching it and I was um, almost about to turn it off because the very opening scene was like, Grandpa, read me a story. And I was like, oh, hmm. I cannot do this. But, you know, it's something that really does pay off. And I, I do think it's a lot of fun. So I really do like it. I'm stalling because I don't know what score I want to give it because I have like I have like two scores in mind. I'm gonna say with how much I laugh, I'm gonna go six out of ten. Six out of ten. Nice. Six, seven, nice. nine. I was uh I was curious at what you would think because these this type of film usually you don't like. Whenever something <clears throat> is very cheesy and very over the top. You usually hate it, and I was very—I was looking forward to seeing what you thought about it. This is usually Mike and mine's type of films, so the fact that you actually liked it and enjoyed it—I feel like I won. Like that's—hey, yeah. I mean, I—I I think it's great. I really do. I think it's a lot of fun, and there's there's like a type of like cheesy movie that's unself-aware that to me it doesn't necessarily work but this type of film whenever you talk about like cheesy over the top so bad it's good films and it's done in the way this film is jack frost i think it's absolutely fantastic i think it's well put together very self-aware and that's that's what i look for in film so i couldn't ask for anything else so it's really good a lot of fun so i think that puts me at 22 right so um, 22 yeah. 
Five out of ten. We're changing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? So, Twenty. So, so far, I am the winner. We have to spin the wheel to determine who uh, who can who can lose. God, I hope uh, I get a twenty pointer. <laughs> you're gonna need it. No, I don't. Give us a ten. Oh fuck! I'm done. <laughs> you should put on the wheel. Um, there we go. You should put on the wheel, remove one of the numbers, and just put the children automatically loses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me see if I can share this. All right. So I see it. Well, here we go. So this is going to be for Mike. So, Mike, you were yeah. at 12. Here we go. Mike, you're at, you're at 12. We're spinning the wheel for the children. I'm on 10. <laughs> what? Oh, oh no way. <laughs> I'll you got to. Dude. I hope, I, hope, I hope you guys both get negative 10. You know, Literally. Fuck you, Mike. If the children are <laughs> your non non Christmas related horror film. Oh my god. <laughs> Suck on the children, boys. <laughs> that sounds so bad. <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounds so bad. I didn't know we were that kind of podcast, Mike. <laughs> I, don't I, can, I don't know if I can put that in there. <laughs> we'll we'll definitely have to edit that out. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Christmas uh, Eve. Oh, please. Christmas I, Lance, Eve. I hope you just get negative one. <laughs> yes. So Tyler has twenty one right now. So, so okay, got seven. Come on, That's, second place. Come so that is twenty eight. That is twenty eight. Black. Okay. So twenty eight. How many did Mike have? I got. I got um, now twenty two. Twenty two. So he's automatically going to be in second place. I'm in first place. This is for it all, Chris. It's between me and you. I'll get a oh, fucking come negative. I. Right. Oh, I just want negative one. Honestly, I though, one. I kind of do hope this wins. Let's see. The best movie of the night. The hey. Negative one, baby. Negative one, baby. <laughs> I don't even... I just want to thank you for the uh, competition. Um, I, I want to first and foremost dedicate this to the children. Um, I, I got God. a negative six. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I hate the will. Last. I hate the will. <laughs> the will has spoken, Chris. And Jack Frost did not live up to ex- expectations. I'm very sorry. Oh my God, that is funny. <laughs> no, no, no. Fuck the will. We're okay. Whoever's listening to this podcast, you're going to go on our page. You're going to tell us which movie you think is the winner. Because obviously the children sucks anyway, so it's between me and Tyler, and nope. which is better? <laughs> Technically, Christmas the evil. children was second place. Technically, the children sucks. Um, <laughs> so Christmas Evil or Jack Frost, or if you like the children, which we know you won't, uh, what's going to be the winner? The true winner comes from the fans. People's gonna be like, "What the hell is the children?" We we've heard of Christmas Eve. We've heard of, <laughs> what the fuck is the children? So yeah, um, there are two completely different films too. So I think this is really really cool to see Christmas Eve versus you know Jack Frost, completely different. So that's good. That's, that's awesome. The- mm-hmm. All yeah, right. So well. that that's the winner. Christmas Eve wins. Uh, whatever. Fuck. I don't care anymore. <laughs> 
No, I'll go ahead and finish it, Lax. Uh, the children's second, and Jack Frost last. I mean, that's how it goes. <laughs> but, um, guys, let us know uh, what ones you like out of the three that we watched. Um, Christmas Evil, Jack Frost, the children. Um, if you haven't seen any of those, um, I definitely recommend watching Christmas Evil and Jack Frost. Um, you know what? I'll even, <laughs> I'll even say this. Uh, don't watch the children. Mike is about ready to leave this meeting. <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm, uh, you know, fuck you, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> no, uh, in all fairness, uh, I think everybody should should definitely watch um, at least Jack Frost. But honestly, both your all's movies were absolutely great. Uh, you know, so the children obviously was not very entertaining. And I think it's basically just a waste of what was it, an hour, 45 minutes, two hours or something. But. Yeah, definitely give the other movies a a, a chance and uh, let us yeah. know what you guys think. Listen, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good fright fight.